Pod. Pod. <laughs> Hello, efforts. I am your host, Internet Keith, and you're just trying to figure out what my whole deal is. <laughs> what is your deal? I don't know, dude. I'm trying to figure it out too. Um, well, welcome to the Titans edition of Football and Other F Words. As is tradition, I'm joined by some hooligans. We've got uh, Zebo, Zach Lines. How you doing? Your man do if you do, and your man don't if you don't. <laughs> sure. Wait, what? I've always said that. Uh, also, we have Mike Herndon, Mike Miracles. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? I'm fine. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we are Sans Lebowski this week, unfortunately. He's in. Uh, is it? He's in East Tennessee, right? Yes. Yeah. His uh, the home of his basketballs, his very favorite team on the entire <laughs> <Yep>. planet. <laughs> he loves the basketballs. Yeah. R.I.P. And uh, we also have uh, back. Don't call it a comeback, but it kind of is. It's DJ EJ Eric Jainer. How you doing, man? Hey, fellas. Good to see you. Welcome back. Glad to yeah. have you. Good to be here. Well, let's take care of uh, something that we've been talking about a little bit. Uh, we've got the uh, football and other F words. You, you probably enjoy this podcast. At least I hope you do. Uh, and you better enjoy this podcast. You better enjoy it. And if you want to enjoy it live, we have faces for radio, but you can still come and enjoy <laughs> it live. Uh, we are doing a live podcast on April 25th at Corner Pub downtown. Uh, just a few blocks away from Broadway and the other draft festivities. Um, we're going to have special guests there. Can can I talk about the yeah, special guests? Yeah, go ahead. We're going to have uh, Buck Rising, Travis Haney, Jimmy Morris, and uh, Justin Graver of Titans Film Room. And just announced, or just confirmed, sort of confirmed, yeah. I guess, uh, Teron Davenport's going to be there, too. Yeah, from oh, ESPN. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's literally why I showed you on the phone. <laughs> I, you know I can't read. <laughs> He was just like, oh, pretty, pretty green and white blobs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I literally just read the bottom thing that just says, I'll be there. And I was like, okay, I don't, who is this? It was uh, me. Beware. Be there. Uh, we'll also have uh, For the Ville 615, who will be there slinging some of his famous t-shirts. And uh, yeah, so come on out. We'll be there from uh, 2 to 5. If you uh, don't think you'll remember this, you can visit us at fwordspodcast.com slash blog. For all the deets, is there anything I'm forgetting? Uh, I am thinking about doing a live ad sing. Yeah, but I, I really don't know logistically how it's going to work without <laughs> everybody being able to hear the music. So it may just be Ooh. me singing. Yeah. But Ooh, you know, that could be that might drive all of Corner Pub's business <laughs> yeah, right so out I may, the door. I may, like, I may not do it. <laughs> that might clear the whole room. Maybe we just go out for to Miss Kelly's or something later and do oh, the yeah. karaoke. Ooh, oh, that'd be good. A karaoke song. Yeah, that oh, would yeah. be fun. The, um, uh, I think the only thing is, is not only did you say the fwordspodcast.com slash blog, yeah. uh, but it will also be up on Music City Miracles as of this podcast release. Yeah. Maybe, sort of. Depends on when this is actually, you're listening to this. Sure. But uh, yeah, go check and uh, read the old uh, blog post there. Um, also, one more little bit of housekeeping. We, we have our 1,000th. 1,000 follower, sort of. We did it! We, yeah. we have over 1,000, but we chose one of the followers that got us to 1,000. Okay. Dr- drew him out of a hat. Drew him out of a hat, so it was congratulations. A big hat. Huge hat. Big hat. It's probably 20 gallons. It's funny, because it's bigger than a normal hat. True. Uh, of course, the winner was Turd Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the winner is uh, Darren Hobbs. 
Uh, D-A-R-R-Y-N-H-O-B-B-S. So That's him. Congratulations, congrats, Darren. Congrats, Darren. Yeah, at Darren Hobbs. So His thanks for listening, man. are going to be just in heaven. I'm going to slide into those DMs. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Slide into I'm those DMs say, hey, with a message about nipples. Yeah, I'm just going to yes. say, hey, you want your nipples to feel awesome? <laughs> You're going to be blocked. We are going to have... <laughs> I can't wait for us to have 999 followers again. <laughs> Um, well, let's get into uh, football things. Let's uh, talk about the Texans and their wanting to uh, steal our jerseys. I mean, okay, I, I, I liken it to, because I work at a car dealership, so I liken it to someone trading in their car and buying a new car and, and they're leaving, okay? They're gone in their new car. Then this other person comes and buys their old car, their trade-in, and ask for all the CDs and all the air fresheners from the original owner. Mm-hmm. That's that's not how life works. <laughs> and they also want to be able to come back and like drive the car on the weekend, yeah. Every now and then, or something. Yeah, I mean, give me give me a break. It's 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 over. It's done. You all had a chance to re up with the as a city to re up with this team, and you didn't. So they bolted. I mean, it's it's our it's our franchise, and I understand that. There's Tennessee Titans fans that they don't care about the Houston Oilers, but there's also Houston Texas fans that probably don't give a shit about the Houston Oilers either. To me, it's it's more about the there are a crossover players and coaches from from both eras, and we were the Tennessee Oilers when we came over. The Oilers is ours. It's ours, and that that's the thing for me is, uh, and I understand where they're coming from, like. If I had been born and raised in Houston and grew up an Oilers fan and then the team moved away and we got this new team, but then this old team was still wearing like Oilers stuff and like that would be weird for me. Like if the Titans moved to Utah or something like that and in 10 years from now we're wearing throwback Tennessee Titans jerseys, I I might be kind of salty about that too. But the reason you're not going to take the history is exactly what you said. This, This is why most Tennessee Titans fans do care is that our first memories of this team were of the Tennessee Oilers. And I distinctly remember going to Tennessee Oiler practices, and I have a signed Tennessee Oiler McNair jersey hanging up in my house. I have, you know, that, that's my first memory of this team. That's my, that my first game was the Tennessee Oilers game. Yeah. And I lived in Alabama at the time, so we traveled up to Memphis for a Tennessee Oilers game. And, and not only that, but what do you do? Like, there's... Uh, it's uh, it's always kind of surprising to me because anytime I write anything about like franchise records and stuff like that, if I split it into like a Titans era, there are so many people that come to me and they're like, well, it's not really a, like it's a franchise record or it's nothing because like you can't get rid of the Oilers stuff because there are a ton of like Oilers fans that have stuck with the Titans yeah. and they root for the Titans and they root against the the Texans. So what do you do to those people? I mean, right. now you're telling them that the team that they grew up rooting for and have followed to this new new city are that history no longer belongs to that franchise and now yeah. it belongs to this other franchise. Like right. there's a lot of problems with it and, and I don't think it's the right thing to do. If you were going to keep the Oilers stuff, you should have kept it way back when. Well, and then yeah. you have this douchebag, Matt Hammond, who, <laughs> of the Matt Hammond show, um, he decides to put out this change.org petition and all this stuff that it doesn't fix anything. It's, it's not going to happen, no matter what you do, because even if you get the Oilers jerseys, which is all you want, all they want yeah. is the, the, the right to wear the Oilers jerseys. Which Amy Adams Strunk 
Good on her for saying, no, that ain't going to happen. I mean, over my dead body. Uh, Hard no. And even if you did get them, guess what? Your helmets are a different color. You still can't wear them. Right. I mean, that's the whole reason that we can't wear them is because our helmets are a different color. And we have actually worn the Oilers jerseys. And they're they're awesome looking jerseys. Yeah. yeah. Very classic. And in fact, I hope they uh, go back to them if we get that yeah. two helmet rule passed. And in fact, Trace uh, Wynn, is it yeah. Trey? Trey? Tress? I, I'm not sure. Tress? T R E S? Wynn? Yeah. W I N N? I think he's of uh, Chat 10 Sports or Chat yeah. Sports yeah. Talk or whatever uh, it is. Um, so many new Titans things that are Tennessee talk shows. I get them all confused. But he came out with an awesome sword logo with sword the with the oiler in it i mean it was badass yeah, that's and, Derek. and if i if i was a shirt company <coughs> uh, <laughs> i would talk to this guy and let's let's yeah. uh what, let's make a deal let's collaborate right collaborate and listen right ice is back with a brand new invention Let's not. Let's what? Th- let's stop doing this. <laughs> I thought we were doing the karaoke yeah. thing. F words karaoke. No, we're not. Is that not a thing. We're not doing that. We're right not. Now. Not right that's, now. That's okay. for later. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> let's move on to uh, get rooked. Take this for dead. Oh, you remember how to say it? Of course. Yeah. It's a classic. It's good stuff. So we're we're looking for uh, prospects who are going to be able to keep Marcus upright and keep that nerve. Doing exactly what the nerves are supposed to do. Doing nerve firing. Things. Yeah. Do nerves fire? Sure. Sure. They also we'll need to keep that fire. nerd standing up. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say it to his nerds. face. He's a big man. Is he? He's getting bigger. Well, he's getting bigger. <laughs> Gaining the weight. We can talk about that later. Mike, do you wanna you wanna lead us off? Yeah. So um, first, uh, let's do a little back padding. Um, last year in the 2018. Yeah version of this segment we started in the very first episode that we did the very first two players that we covered were Harold Landry and uh, Zach Ad Rashawn Evans and those just happened to be the very first two players that the Titans picked now we only it's not like we did coincidence for every player we only had I think eight total players last year that we did this for so the fact that we nailed two the first two picks is actually not bad um but so, so to get started with my first guy um, for this year's class, and I think of all the players that we're that we're doing, I think he has the best shot of being the actual first round pick. This guy, I think, yeah. I think if you put a gun to my head, he'd be probably the guy I would choose. So the guy that I'm talking about is Boston College guard uh, Chris Lindstrom. Um, he the, the the reason that I like Lindstrom. He's he's a very good athlete, first and foremost, which I think one thing that we know about the Titans offensive scheme is if you're going to run this outside zone and this stretch zone offense, you need athletic linemen, particularly at center, um, who is going to be able to reach or, you know, center and guard who are going to be able to reach, uh, you know, three techniques, one techniques pin those guys. They're going to be able to climb to the next level, block in space and not just, you know, be lumbering kind of kind of player so you need athletes uh, on the offensive line more so than maulers so that's that's kind of where Lindstrom fits in he's one of the best athletes in the guard class uh, ran a 49140 which is pretty incredible for a guy at uh, 308 pounds um, and in his career at Boston College he's been a, a fantastic pass blocker 
Um, he's a good run blocker. Boston College runs a very pro-style scheme. Um, they run the ball a lot. And uh, last year he gave up exactly zero quarterback hits and zero sacks. Um, you can't on give the, up on much, the much less than that. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Um, and that's on uh, <laughs> three, zero sacks. 363 pass butt pass blocking pass snaps. Butts? Pass butt snaps. <laughs> um, so, and only four hurries, too. So, I mean, that's this guy was pretty crystal clean uh, as far as pass blocking goes. And he's a good run blocker. He's athletic, able to climb, pick off linebackers, that kind of thing. And the other reason that I really think that he's very much in play for the Titans at either 19 or 51, because he's going to go somewhere in that range. Some people have him higher. Some people have him a little lower, but he's probably he's certainly no later than the second round. Um, But he's very tied to the Titans. Like if you look at the Boston College ties, the Titans currently have you've got Tyler Vrabel, you know, Mike Vrabel's son playing tackle for Boston College right now. So he was actually in the same position room with Chris Lindstrom all of last year. Uh, you've got Frank Perino, who is the new uh, Titan strength coach, who was Boston College's strength coach for, I think, the past like six years. He'd been there for a while. So he literally took Chris Lindstrom from a 235-pound two-star recruit and built him into a 308-pound lineman who's one of the best athletes in the entire draft. So, oh, that's impressive. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yes, yes. Can, so, wow. Can he help me out? I, like I know, routine? right? Holler at, ho- holler at us, Frank. At Internet Keith on Twitter. <laughs> You'll never in. see it. Slide in the DMs. I'll <laughs> see it in six DM. months. <laughs> but uh, so for, he, they've got Frank Pereno. And then, of course, they've also got Harold Landry, who spent three years as uh, Lindstrom's teammate. And probably went up against him in practice some sometimes because Lindstrom did play some tackle during his college career as well. So um, I I think of all the teams in the NFL, nobody's going to know Lindstrom better than the Tennessee Titans. They've got people that have interacted with Lindstrom firsthand. They've shown interest already in the draft process, according to uh, reports from I think Teron Davenport had it in his recent article. Um this guy is almost too much of a no-brainer to me that he would be a fit for the Titans at either 19 or 51, or maybe if they trade back in the first round and can pick him up in the 20s or 30s uh, in in the draft. I think he's a supreme fit for this offense and team. Yeah. Well, can you imagine going against Harold Landry in practice every day? Oh, my God. Yeah, you have to be a tremendous athlete to keep up with him because, I mean, yeah. he's still one of the best physical specimens that – you'll see it coming off the edge. Yeah, the, the reason I like Lindstrom pick so much is that I it's kind of like the Rashawn Evans pick. I just had this feeling at some point that Rashawn Evans was too perfect of the player mm-hmm. to fit the knee that they needed. And I know it went a little bit back and forth that whether we needed inside linebacker or edge, I just felt Rashawn Evans was that pick. And I, I feel like at the right guard position, Chris Lindstrom it, is the pick. Yeah. He, and it's a big glaring yeah. hole right there. I mean, right, right there right it is, and it just makes too much sense. Um, you know, we're not talking about Garrett Bradbury. We're not talking about Ed Oliver and some of these other picks. And the reason that we're not talking about Bradbury is because just Google Bradbury and Titans, you're probably going to find like 15 articles about it. <laughs> so and I'm not saying that Bradbury could not be the pick, but if I'm looking at 
at it from, okay, maybe next year they could go to a center. I, I think Lindstrom, it just makes too much sense, like you said. And I'm not 100% sure. Like, And I love Bradbury. Don't get me wrong, because yeah. I, I know Superhorn will come after me if, uh, <laughs> if I say anything bad about his boy. But uh, I love Bradbury, but I'm not 100% convinced that Lindstrom is not the better player. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's that good. I think he's on that level. Do you think that – I know – is he one of those players that could audit that could he be a Quentin Nelson kind of difference maker for that offensive line? I don't know that anyone in this draft class is gonna be Nelson because Nelson's just he may be the best interior offensive line player to ever come out of the draft. I mean, frankly, just looking at what he's done his rookie year and the hype around him, I he completely lived up to it. Um, so I don't think I'd put him on that level, but I think he's, you know, a notch below and in, in the scheme fit for the Titans I mean he's a perfect fit I mean there's there's no better fit for what the Titans want to do than an athletic guard like Chris Lindstrom yeah well uh you wanted to talk about a certain man from Penn State yeah I, I went a little bit different on this one I think Connor McGovern from Penn State is someone that in the I think he'll go possibly as high as a second, but I think he's a third-round guard all day long, but he could be a day-one starter. And the thing about him is, much like Lindstrom, is that he's all athletic prowess. I mean, he is a very underrated prospect, but the uh, big thing is, same exact hand size as Matt Paradise, <laughs> and but he has bigger hands than Roger Saffold Ooh. and Jason Kelsey coming in at 9.875 inches. So that's some big hands. Some big old hands. Some now, big it's old not paws. the biggest hands out of the offensive guards, but it's, it's some big hands. I'm not asking for the biggest. The good thing about him is that he has experience playing right guard and center, and I think that's going to be kind of a little bit of an edge if you're looking for that later round or mid-round offensive lineman. What really stood out to me was Lance Zierlein's pro comp, and that was Roger Saffold. Really? So That's interesting. we have Roger Saffold, Saffold on the left guard. We would have <laughs> little, little, yeah, we'll have little Raj <laughs> over on the right guard. If, so, if we draft him, we're 100% yeah. calling him little Raj. Little Raj. He, will, he will enjoy that, I'm sure. It, oh, yeah, 100%. Now, he, he's not the best at the outside zone. His, his bread and butter is gap and inside zone. So, that I mean, that's not too big of a knock on him because we're probably going to have, because of who Arthur Smith is, we're going to run both. Mm -hmm. So having experience in the gap is going to help. Probably one of the big things is that he relies a little too much on his athleticism. and can get caught off balance because he's trying to do stuff that kind of leaves him on his toes so he overextends himself because he's trying to rely too much on that athleticism not not enough technique i would say though that he can handle the double teams very well due to his upper body and his thick two c's lower body <laughs> uh and he also stays wide and he has an effective anchor when he bends and he can't be bull rushed very easily i mean he can but not very easily yeah um I would think that his hand technique definitely works, and unlike Lindstrom, he, he's allowed some sacks and hits and hurries. I mean, he's allowed nine sacks and three quarterbacks, quarterback hits in his three years since becoming a starter. That's not bad. 
So that's not too bad. Uh, it could be better. But, I mean, for a third-round guy, he was the 15th best run blocker in the class and has a 97.9 efficiency rating in pass blocking, according to PFF. So take that as you will. They're, they're really good at their advanced stats, so they take that into account on these efficiency ratings. So I, I would pay attention because they chart and do all that kind of stuff. The problems he's got is his hand technique is pretty bad. It's not, I mean, he, he likes to uh, catch instead of put punch, mm-hmm. and that can create a problem, and he's very susceptible to twist because he can get too wide with his hands. So That was that was something I actually noticed when I was watching him. Was yeah. he, most of the sacks that I saw him, or hurries even, that I saw him give up were on stunts and twists. They just seemed like he had a hard time picking up. So. Yeah. And it's that's teachable. Yeah, I mean, so you're you. It's gonna have you're you're gonna have ups and downs with him as a day one starter, but you're gonna have good value out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, his best trait is definitely his functional power and his athleticism. Uh, worst trait is the hands, like I've already said. Uh, if you're looking for film, go catch his 2018 film uh, for the Kentucky game, and then his. If you want to see the bad stuff, you got to go see uh, Michigan's game against uh, them. So, I, I out of all the people that we're going to do, he's probably my least loved prospect. But that does not mean that I would not be excited if he was day two, day three on the Titans. Yeah. Who wants to uh, who wants to talk about the goat, the star of Space Jam? Yeah, yeah let's Michael talk Jordan. About Michael Jordan. Yeah, MJ. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different guards in this class. You got Michael Jordan, Michael Dieter, uh, yeah. Cody Ford somehow, and Jody, Jonah Williams on some of these mocks are coming down. Yeah. Um, and then you have us meeting and heavily investing in Titus Howard, which I thought from Alabama State, which is... That's an odd fit to me. It's Because yeah, he's really more of a tackle than, yeah. than a guard to me. And I think Drew Samia, if I'm pronouncing oh, yeah. that correct, from Oklahoma is another guy that... He'd be more of a round three, probably, uh, prospect for them that could be a fit. Um, I actually do think Michael Jordan would be an interesting fit. Athletically, he could play um, with the Titans. But, yeah, he, he could certainly be a good – he's probably closer to a day three guy um, than day two. But, you know, th- there are options down there. I just don't know if those guys – the problem with for the Titans right now is that – Unless you're comfortable with Kevin Pamphile or Kevin Corey Levin starting, you've got to find a day one starter in right. this draft. Um, and I, I would say that I'm not 100% confident in either one of those guys starting, or at least not without some significant competition uh, coming in from the outside. So um, yeah. I, think, I think you've got to go guard or center pretty early. Yeah. Uh, well, do you guys want to talk about the wonderful um, – arbor situation that we have going oh, God, on yes. downtown what what is your take on it keith my take on it is that it's all very silly <laughs> is it is it more about the and i guess i really don't get why everybody's upset is it more that the nfl is throwing their weight around or is it more of we're losing these trees that nobody's ever fucking seen yeah. really i guess i guess in did case, you see them getting removed today they looked yeah. they looked ugly they didn't even they weren't even fully bloomed yeah, yeah. Uh, so in case you're not aware, they removed some cherry blossom trees from the riverfront in order to uh, put up something for the draft. I'm assuming it's advertisements or something like that. But um, I think it's part of the stage. Yeah, part, of the stage. part of the stage. Yeah. yeah. Well, I 
I just think that if you're looking for a reason to be angry at the NFL, you don't need to pick <laughs> the cherry trees to to die on that hill. I think there is plenty of other things that are way worse that they do. Um, and News Channel 5 literally said dead cherry blossoms on First Avenue have been removed and will, re- will be replaced by the 10 cherry blossoms that have to move for the NFL draft stage. So they're moving dead cherry blossoms and then going to take the 10 that they're taking up and putting them where the dead ones are. So, a- <laughs> so, so let me say this. The city doesn't even fucking care that they had dead cherry blossoms on First <laughs> Avenue, but we had these activists who I think are just mad that the NFL's coming in and saying, oh, you're going to have to move this, because they're also removing the hard rock guitar, you know, and people... Could they know. just remove the hard rock restaurant? Yeah, for real. <laughs> they could throw that in the river and I'd I be mean, fine with it. Th- this is probably going to bring a safe estimate of $150 million to the city. Oh, at and, least, and let yeah. me let me say this: Dallas got 125 in the Dallas area surrounding the stadium. There's nothing in, around that stadium. Nothing. It, it's like two or three restaurants and a really large Walmart and a StubHub center. It, I mean, you can't I mean, you can't buy anything down there if you wanted yeah. to. So the fact that that the event you had to travel probably 20 minutes away to even get to the bars and everything that event brought 125 million dollars. Everything's downtown. This is going to bring $150 million. If they need to come and cut off your foot, then you need to let them because you're going to get $150 or $150 million. This is, this is, I, I do want to say that this is going to be the most fun draft I think that there has ever been because Broadway is going to be such a just scene, especially for people who haven't been there before yeah. and who haven't been there for a big event. It is going to be a sight to behold, like with all the people, all the bars. Like it's just going to be wild down there, and I can't, I can't wait to come go see it on Thursday. Um, but the whole cherry tree thing, I'm with you, Keith. I think it's just like a very silly thing to be upset about because it's not like these trees are on an endangered species list or anything yeah. like that. And it's or, not like this is like tumors trees in, at Auburn or something no. like that. Th- these trees have no major significance. They die every 20 years. And I want to say, like I heard on the radio on midday 180 today uh, that they, these trees in particular that we're talking about, were already like 14 years old and they usually only live 15 to 20 years. So you're going to have to replace them soon anyway. So What's the big deal about removing some trees for a weekend and then putting them right back? Like, yeah. I just and, don't understand and the how outrage. stupid it would it have been if the city just stood by and just said, "No, we're not going to do that." And they were like, "Okay, we'll just go back to New York and just do the draft there." <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it would not be hard for them to get Radio City Music Hall in a span of two to three weeks if they wanted to get it up and running. Yeah. And, and, and then know, how pissed would the city have been? And I, I know uh, PK had a point. PK is very anti-NFL bullying the, the city about the trees and everything. But he had a point today about, um, well, they were able to get it down to 10 trees from 21. But they must not even pushed back at all. Why would they push back? I, I don't understand. Like, if that comes up during the process of planning this gigantic event, and it is like, one, I mean, that's like one thing that probably... You don't have to negotiate every single well, thing. Well, if they're removing 10 dead trees yeah. and planting and moving the other 10 trees, 
That's twenty trees that have been removed, and now they're now they're I think they're still doing it. Now they're planting another like one hundred and twenty something trees around the city or something after yeah. the, like the NFL is. So it's going to end up being a great thing for the city. But it's silly that people are still mad about this. Like I, I would like to see the video clips on YouTube or whatever that one hundred four five has where. They lie broadcasted from all these cherry blossom trees that PK likes. I'd love to see his how many, Instagram. How many to people see how many would have known has. if you'd asked people before <laughs> this past week, hey, did you know what kind of trees are downtown? People would have been like, what trees? Yeah, I would have yeah. just thought you were talking about the ugly green trees that all the homeless people <laughs> pee on on Second <laughs> Avenue. I had no clue there were trees on. Fr- I the literally only thing I live downtown. On yeah. Yeah. Is that fucking fort, and that's still standing, <laughs> and and I'm just thinking, there's trees, yeah, yeah, and and all they're doing, and and first off, they're all on the backside of the Second Avenue row of buildings, which has the ugliest backside. If you if you go down and look at the river, and then turn around and oh, look back my up, God, yeah, they're yeah. they're horrible. There's yeah. graffiti everywhere. Those trees, I I n- didn't even mask that. Yeah. They, I mean, they serve no fucking purpose. No, they I, make, I just do not get it. I hate Zach. They make cherries. Do they? <laughs> yes. Do they actually that's make their cherries? Because I don't, I don't even Is think it? they make cherries. I don't, I don't know. know. I have no idea. I, that's it's my apparently big thing. Apparently, it's something with like some partnership we have with Japan or something like that. Yeah, after scene. after they killed everybody at Pearl Harbor, <laughs> they sent us these apology <laughs> oh, trees. God. They sent us these apology trees, and now we must protect the apology trees. Oh, my let's goodness. move on as let's, quickly as Let's possible. take a break on that note. Uh, so look up if cherry trees make cherries, and we'll be right back. <laughs> All righty. Oh, no. Welcome back. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a disaster. Yikes. All right, I just hate back. faux outrage. <laughs> I just hate it. I'm, I'm not really done talking about it because it's just, it's just, it's just being mad to be mad, and and I and I think it is the bullying part of it. I mean, if you want to call it bullying, that they said, "Hey, get rid of these trees." Let's just remind everybody, they're trees. I, and I they don't, don't even have jobs. I don't even <laughs> think it was probably a discussion point. It was probably just like, "Hey, we're working on our draft design." We might have to take out some of these trees. Are y'all cool with that? And it, they probably, yeah, that's fine. There's Just no way this will be you're an done. issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. As long as you leave it the way you found it. Like, isn't that the, the whole rule? <laughs> like, you're, you're a visitor. You leave it the way you, you found know, it. You know, Roger Goodell, when he got the, like, phone call or whatever, he's like, fuck. I mean, I got players punching <laughs> punching uh, women, and I got to deal with these fucking trees? Like, fucking cherry blossoms. I just, it, to me, it, it makes the city look bad. Like, they, we can't it's wrap silly. our head around it's the a, fact that we're about to put on one of the be biggest. Bad about something. It is the biggest event that I think that we'll ever have in the in the city until. So this is bigger than the the playoffs uh, or the uh, the Predators. Well, I mean, playoff run. I, I think it will be. As I think I think what the city does. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I I think for Nashville people. It, it's not. I mean, I think everybody's yeah. going to like well, the Predators. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure the ratings are going to be way higher for the draft. Like TV ratings, exposure yeah. for the city, yeah. that kind well, of thing. Well, I was going to say, even for the, the Preds, like the exposure yeah. that yeah. they got yeah. for that showing downtown. It, it's going to be a scene. It's going to be even bigger yeah. than that. Yeah. It's just, it's it's stupid. And then like people, you know, when I posted up that 
Because someone says, oh, I can't believe we're doing this for a temporary event. I said, well, it's a temporary event that brings $125 plus million. I can't believe that we're complaining about temporary trees. Yeah. And someone goes, well, you know, now I'm just, I just really hope that it doesn't mess up the downtown traffic during that weekend. Oh, Are my you serious? God. I'm like, I'm like I, I said, I cannot <laughs> give a shit any less about fucking strangers trying to get to their jobs on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Take a vacation. Yeah. Though. I mean, that's your fault if you're trying to get downtown. But first off, it's all in, in the evening, and then you're off on Saturdays more than likely if you work downtown, besides the people that are bartending, who are going to make so much money. And it's just like, let's not worry about the people who make probably below minimum wage per hour. Let's worry about the corporate people that work at uh, the U.S. Bank Tower and LNC. Here's the thing. If you want to live in a city that has all the cool stuff that Nashville does and that Nashville's growing like crazy, and if you like all the cool restaurants and bars and stuff like that, this is part of that. Like you, it's part of the price. You bring in big events and you get people filling up those bars and restaurants and it, it makes everybody money for a weekend and then you go on to the next thing. But this is no doubt a great thing for the city. I, I don't see any other way you could spend it regardless of how much you love tr- cherry blossoms. Right. It's just unreal. I can't. I cannot believe like outrage culture is... <laughs> We could have an entire podcast yeah. on outrage culture and how ridiculous it is. I'm not outraged by outrage culture, by the way. I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm exhausted. I'm very tired. Um, so let's move on to uh, part two of uh, Get Rooked. Take this for dead. Take it. Take it. Uh, we're going to talk about, we talked about people who are going to help keep Marcus upright and help the run game. Now let's talk about people who are going to open up the offense and uh, generate some of those yards after catch. Uh, Mike, do you want to start us off? Yeah, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a guy that was probably my very first real draft crush of this class, and uh, it's uh, Debo Samuel from South Carolina. And I know the big objection right now among a lot of I guess Titans Twitter to Debo is that he's mostly played in the slot at South Carolina. And that's true, but I don't think that's all he can do. I I think South Carolina put him there because he's really good at it. But I think with the releases and the quick feet that he has, I think he can play outside in the NFL if you want him to. And I think he's going to be a hell of a good receiver, regardless of where you stick him. I mean, he's, He's not a huge guy, but he's he's kind of a thicker player. Uh, at, um, he's right at, let's see, what what's the exact number here? Uh, 5'11 and uh, 214 pounds. Um, he's an explosive athlete. He's got a 39-inch vertical, 4'4", um, 40 speed. So he's not a, a true burner, but he's fast enough. Um, but really what he is, if you watch him on tape, is he's, one, he's great – in and out of his breaks. He's as quick as you're going to get coming out of a break. Um, he creates big separation and then he is competitive at the catch point and catches the ball and runs with it after the catch. So that's kind of him in a nutshell. Um, he wasn't hyper productive at South Carolina. He had, uh, his best year was last year. He had eight, 882 yards and 11 touchdowns, which, the touchdown number is really good, especially for a smaller player, but it kind of shows 
he was a big time red zone target for them. Um, I think that's pretty productive at South Carolina, though, it, right? <laughs> it is, yeah, and it is to be fair. Um, but and, and the other thing with him is, I guess, injuries. You know, he had a couple uh, ankle injuries. I think he had a, a fractured fibula at one point um, that cost him most of his uh, junior season, I believe it was. But he's bounced back from that. Was healthy last year. Is coming off a healthy season, and I don't know that there there's enough of a red flag that it would make me concerned that, you know, he's going to miss significant time in the NFL with any of these injuries. I, I think he just might've had a, a bad break um, there, but I think Debo's probably there's, there's some rumbling of him being able to sneak into the back of the first round. But I think most people view him as a second round player. Um, I think if he's a guy that you could get at 51, you'd be thrilled with it. Um, but he's probably going to go right around that range. So I, I think that would be one of my favorite targets there. So, and, and plus you got plenty of Debo memes. Oh God. The memes would be wonderful by themselves. Do yeah. you, uh, where do you project him being on this offense? I would put him outside. I, I think he can win outside. I, you know, I think Humphreys is your ideal slot receiver. I think Debo could play in the slot. So from a standpoint of, you know, looking at the roster, I think right now you've got real, really one slot receiver that you feel good about in Humphreys. You don't really, I mean, Tajay can play in the slot. Um, you know, Cameron Batson can play in the slot, but you're not really excited about either of those guys. If something were to happen to Humphreys, which he's been extremely durable, so I don't necessarily expect it to, but um, it is football. So, uh, but if someone were to happen to Humphreys, you can slot Debo in right away and he can play slot for you. But I think he can win outside of the NFL level. I really do. Also, he's a little bit of insurance in case your tight ends aren't as healthy as you want or as productive as you want. You could run double slots. Mm-hmm. That's but true. Zebo, tell us about, uh, tell us about somebody else. I mean, Debo's okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd be <laughs> happy if, if Debo was on the team. But let me tell you about the best wide receiver in this draft class by far. It's Hakeem Butler. It's not DK Metcalf. It is not A.J. Brown. It is not Nikhil Harry. It's not Kelvin Harmon. It is Hakeem Butler. He is the love of my life. <laughs> he is He is. He's probably, I have another draft crush, but he's probably number one. And let me tell you about him. 6'5", 227 pounds. I mean, he's big. He, what a man. Mm. And let me tell you about his hand ski. Tell oh, about God. Them you want to hear about these hands? Yes. Oh, boy. Delay. Oh, boy. <laughs> his hands are 10.75 inches. That's some man hands. The next largest <laughs> That's was like 10 a, and three quarters. Yeah. The next largest was a full <laughs> half inch shorter. All right. I'm sold. Full shorter? half inch. I'm sold. Are shorter, hands smaller, short or smaller. tall? A whole half long, inch. Long. long and short. Short, yeah. Okay. The long and short of it. Okay. All I'm right. dreaming of Hakeem. Hey. You want to hear about his wingspan, Keith? <laughs> yes, more than anything. 83.78 or 83 and 7 eighths inches. Fun fact, your average pterodactyl checks in at 82 inches. So fun, he's actually fun fact is the second longest arms <laughs> at the at the combine that were measured at the combine. Number one was Charles Aminahu. Charles Aminahu is an actual pterodactyl. Yes. <laughs> he's completely massive. And you'd think with a frame like that, he'd be kind of slow, but we're talking That's a guy that... That's 6'9", by the way. That it is. Band. We're talking about a 4, four eight forty. So that's better than what Mike Evans uh, ran his. Mm-hmm. 
He also did a respectable 18 reps on the bench. I know that DK Metcalf did 27. With those long-ass arms, that's a long way to push Exactly. That was yeah. in my notes. Yeah. Hmm? It's all about those long-ass arms. That's what you got to think about when you talk about these uh, bench presses. I know about some long arms on a bench press. Yeah. It sucks. It does suck. <laughs> Pro comparisons are Mike Williams of the San Diego uh, Chargers. And, or L.A. Chargers. And then Brandon Marshall recently, I guess, is he retired now or is he still playing? Yeah, he's retired. I'm but either sure. way, those are both. <laughs> Probably by, not well, by Whether or not yeah. he knows it. <laughs> those are both big wide receivers that can that find a way to get open and make great contested catches. And the good thing about him is that he can also play the slot effectively, which makes would make him the most massive big slot wide receiver ever. <laughs> it would be insane. I mean, the, the matchup nightmare that he creates being on the outside or the inside especially on this offense would be insane for other other teams to try to cover he's got really good for a guy his size great and sudden toe taps so if you see him make a lot he he makes a lot of sideline grabs and gets his feet down same in the back of the end zone i mean he he finds a way to catch the ball um with his size he can not only build up the impressive speed that you're looking for on deep routes, but he has tremendous yards after catch ability. And he led the NCAA in receptions of 20 yards or more with 19. He also led the NCAA in deep pass yards with 721 yards. And he was also seventh in yards per route run with 3.28. And one of the big things is 2018, he had 1,318 yards. So you got to remember... 721 of those, so over half of his yards came on deep balls. And he had nine touchdowns last year. Yards per target was 12.7. Yards per completion on average was 22. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Now, he's a great run blocker. He's being mentored by Megatron right now, Cal- oh, Calvin shit. Johnson. There are problems. And it, it comes to the, the point where... He has a wide variance with what how he catches the ball. Sometimes he can catch the ball away from his body. Sometimes he brings it in. There's no rhyme or reason to why he can't find what works for him. So he has some drops. He had 17 drops in his career. 12 drops of seven, 12 of those 17 came last year. You know we don't like drops here. We don't yeah. like drops here. But and, and unlike that- the people who dropped seven or eight catches here and only managed to get 400 yards. He got twelve. He had twelve drops. Managed to get thirteen hundred yards on on a uh, in college on a, on a rate standpoint. Though he does drop balls at a higher rate than Taewon Taylor, who we've all crucified and you know, yeah, lit on fire because of uh, dropping passes. But it's 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 not so much what I see is not so much concentration as it is just not having the correct habit in place and he's also trying to effectively catch a football with like two tennis rackets for yeah. hands <laughs> and then and then he's also gonna he, a lot of his catches are people just draping all over him and in fact uh titan's film room actually sent a clip and he's like look at these drops and a couple of the drops where i i mean i don't consider them drops but when someone is getting is getting hit and the helmet goes into the ball or to the arm yeah, I mean, I understand happen. that's technically a drop, but I, I really don't feel like it's a, a real drop. So I, I don't know how PFF measures those drops, those counts. So it could be quite less. I don't I don't know how many of the 12 drops that they're crediting him are actual concentration drops or, or drops where he's on an island or something. 
So that would be interesting to see, but I do not have that. And there's some room for improvement in his technique and route running. He can play a little tight on his route, so it can seem like he kind of gets lethargic at the line of scrimmage. But due to his large size, he's also a little bit lacking in lateral agility, but you're not having him come in to be your number one receiver. You're, you're effectively wanting him to be the a guy to take some pressure off Corey Davis and to free up the middle of the field. So, you it's, I mean, you're not, eventually, if you decide not to pay Corey Davis and he turns out to be someone that you can trust, but if you're trying to surround Marcus with a quality deep threat weapon, I mean, he's the best deep threat receiver in the league, and it's not because of, just because of speed, it's because of his size and everything. Uh, he, he His play strength and his contested catches are by far his best trait. And his worst trait would definitely be his hands, I'm not going to lie. And I know that's going to scare everybody, but he's still a really damn good wide receiver when you watch him. Uh, best film. I just I just want to be able to play this back whenever you're uh, <sighs> picking on Taewon next time well, because he drops everything. Well, I mean, Taewon does drop everything. Best film <laughs> is Washington State. Worst film is Iowa. So if you want to go catch those out, both uh, the 2018 games. The thing, the difference is, is that we're talking about nine touchdowns and 1,300 yards versus one touchdown, 400 yards, 300 yards with Taewon. And you hope Taewon can do that, but can improve. But, and we'll get to it later, like John Robinson said, there's only so many, so long you can be a young guy. So yeah. you got to start stepping up. And I, I think Hakeem Butler is a good and perfect compliment on the other side of Corey Davis on the other side of the field. That's how I view it. I, I, I like Butler a lot. I do. I just, I, I do think the drops are a little bit concerning. Um, you know, it, it ultimately would drops. And I read an article recently, not to get too sidetracked on this, but uh, Matt Harmon, who does reception perception every year, um, kind of looking, he's, he's built his career around focusing on wide receivers and evaluating their play specifically, I guess it came from his background in fantasy football and studying that, but he wrote an article about drops and why fans overrate drops as a problem with wide receivers. And, the, you know, his thought was that it's negativity bias. And we see that wide receiver, the ball hits him in his hands and it drops to the ground. And we have this immediate, like, visceral reaction of, ah, crap, I, you know, I hate you. What did yeah. you just do? You know, you dropped that third down pass. How dare you do this to me? Right. And it's something that we all can do. Like you play catch in the parking lot and you catch most of the balls. I mean, you know, most people anyways, but <laughs> you know, you catch most of the ball. So it's, it feels like, well, I can do it. I can, I just did it out there in the parking lot for an hour before the game. You know, why, why can't this guy is getting paid a million dollars do this? But when it comes down to it, we're talking about like even with Taewon Taylor, he had a total of five drops last year. Um, his drop rate was high, you know, compared to most of the league. I think he finished around seventeenth among NFL receivers out of like one twenty that qualified. But to on be fair PFF. to him, there was probably three people on the team that were higher than seventeen. Actually, no, he was the highest. Was he really? He was the highest on I'm the surprised team. Surprised, considering he, Nick Nick Williams, he might not have qualified. Yeah, no, Nick Williams didn't qualify because he literally only was thrown one one ball and he dropped it. <laughs> not enough stats. Um, <laughs> but one hundred percent drop rate. Yeah, one hundred percent drop rate. You're fired. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So Taylor, while he did drop some passes, if you put him at a very league average drop rate, it's a difference of two drops. 
So we're talking about two drops on a 16-game season. How much did that really affect the, the total output of the Titans offense? Not very much. I mean, if you're looking at the grand scheme of things, it doesn't affect it very much. Now, the, the they were real, third down drops yeah. and like sometimes the Miami drop was the backbreaking one. That's the uh, only one I can really yeah. think was but a backbreaker. But even that one would have been a hell of a catch if he made it. I well, mean, that's I mean, one of the tougher. He is an NFL receiver. Hakeem uh, okay. Butler would have made that catch. Well, Negativity bias. What did we just say yeah, about Sorry. So, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so what I'm saying is. Ultimately, like drops are probably overrated. And if you bring a lot more to the table, there's a long list of receivers that have had major drop problems that have had great NFL careers. You look at uh, Michael Crabtree, you look at Demarius Thomas, you look at um, uh, what was the other guy that I was looking at the other day? Amari uh, Cooper. Uh, those guys have all been in the top 10 in the NFL, like higher than Taewon Taylor in the NFL in uh, drop I think rate. Crabtree was probably the highest even last year, wasn't he? Or close yeah, to Crabtree it. was easily the highest last year, and um, and Des Bryant's another one. Those guys all regularly ranked in the top ten in drop rate, but they were still very effective receivers. And you kind of you take what they give you and you live with the drops because everything that they give you is so valuable. And th- and that's where the Taewon Taylor argument is. You know, he doesn't bring you enough value to make up for the drops. Is the problem yeah. with him? But Butler could, you know, Butler on paper, you would think, yeah, he's going to do a lot for you as far as his vertical speed, his ability to go get the ball, his height. He should be an awesome red zone weapon. Um, If he brings all that to the table, I'll live with a 15% drop rate, even though it'll piss me off every time (laughs) he'll drop a pass. I'll live with it because he's going to make some spectacular plays too. Yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah, I guess the thing is you just worry about – spending that first round pick on him because I don't think he's going to be well, second round value, right? I, I, Hakeem is that bo- to me he's worth a first round pick. Now we can argue whether he's worth a 19 or if the Titans trade back and, and you get him. I think he's that bo- borderline first round pick because I really do think that his measurables are out of all the receivers he has some of the best measurables and s- some of the best tape that combine with what you saw at the pro day. There's other ones that I do like. I do like A.J. Brown. I do like Debo. I do like Kelvin Harmon and Nikhil Harry. I don't like D.K. Metcalf anymore. I, I was at the beginning of the year, and then and then you saw just, that cone drill. Yeah. Um, so, but he he's one of the few ones that what happened at the combine and what we see on tape matches up. And there's a lot of receivers at that in this draft class that does. Um, but he's one of those guys that maybe I would trade down in the first round. And if I was maybe at the Patriots pick or something like that, yeah, I would take Hakeem, Hakeem Butler. Sure. 19, it, depending on who's on the board, it'd probably be a hard pill to swallow for a lot of analysts and fans of the team. But, yeah. you know. So so piggybacking on that DJ or DK Metcalf thing. Yeah. Can we start calling him Buttercone? Because he's so hot, except <laughs> Buttercone. Buttercone. I, I really like that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Live Studio audience. Um, They've been quiet today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's take a break real quick, and uh, we'll get back to it here in a second. All right. Uh, real quick, I don't know if you mentioned him or not, Andy Isabella. Yeah, he, him, Andy Isabella, Kelvin Harmon, Miles Boykin, and Emmanuel Hall are all guys that I kind of see the Titans taking. Isabella and 
Humphreys are kind of the same, but Isabella... I don't think so at all. You don't think so? No. I think Isabella could be an outside receiver. Racist. Whoa. I think you're being racist. Well, <laughs> do you think... I mean, I think Isabella could play on the outside. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, he but had, he I had think over he can 100 also, catches last yeah, year. Yeah. But That's he can also play crazy. in the slot, and I kind of see Andy Isabella could do both of them. Do you, who do you think is better? Between Humphreys or Isabella, who do you think will have at the end of the day when it's all said and who will have the better career? Better career? I mean, it's hard for me to put a rookie over a guy like Humphreys who's already at least established a baseline. Um, just because rookies, especially at receiver, just so hit or miss. Like, we all, like, if you look at Andy Isabella's career, and he put up some great numbers for UMass. Yeah. Taewon Taylor put up some killer numbers for Western Kentucky. I mean, he had like 1,600 yards receiving and 17 touchdowns this last year. Everyone yeah. was like, this Taewon Taylor kid is amazing. And now he's in the NFL and he's like, yeah, we're, you know, we're drafting, we're trying to draft another receiver to replace him now, yeah. right? So um, I, I, I would probably lean Humphreys if I had to pick today, but I could certainly see a scenario where Isabella becomes. Who does know, Isabella remind you of? kind of hard to say he's i mean he's faster than any of your standard slot guys um like you're like because everyone wants to pigeonhole him into the edelman uh you know all the other white slot guy roles like amandola he's faster than that and he's a better athlete than that tavon austin um he's bigger than tavon i i don't know i I think that's kind of in the right track though maybe i it's hard for me to pick a good comp for him honestly because he i think he's fast enough that you could use him as a deep thread if you wanted to yeah. um emmanuel sanders yeah oh, ma- yeah i think one. that's a good one i think that's a good one what do you what do you think about kelvin Harmon? because you were during our talks really high on kelvin Harmon, and now he seems to be in almost a foregone conclusion that he's a second round talent he it's, at one point he was a first round one of the best wide receivers now he's it was him and Nikhil Harry, and now they're both drifting off into the second round. Does does the tape match that? I don't. I don't think so. I think when we just had tape and we didn't have all the combine numbers and all the testing stuff, everyone was like, DK Metcalf, Kelvin Harmon, one two. Like that. That was pretty much everybody's top of the wide receiver list. And you know, I know some people were Metcalf's pretty polarizing, but Harmon was almost always right there in that top two. Everyone was like, oh, first round guy. Now that he tested as a pretty below average athlete, everyone's like, oh, you know, he's going to fall into the second round. And I get athleticism is important. And, you know, wide receiver is obviously a very athletic position. But the guy's 6'2", 220 plus pounds. And he's the kind of guy, he does everything else. Like, he's not a super fast guy. Suck it, Buffalo. Predators beat the Sabres 3-2. Yes. to two. They Nashville wins suck. again. Fuck Buffalo. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Kelvin Harmon, I do think – so he – the thing that I love about him is he's got that my ball mentality. So he's one of the best contested catch receivers in the draft class. He, he may not create massive separation with his, you know, speed and quickness – but he does create late separation. He's almost got a little touch of DeAndre Hopkins to his game to me. Yeah. Um, where he's got, he knows all the little tricks about kind of giving the guy the little chicken wing or giving him the little hand on the shoulder as he's making the stop route. He kind of has all that, that package going on. And then when he the ball's in the air, he's, he's winning the, the catch. He's winning at the catch point. So that's 
uh, that's a guy that I, I that's a trait that I think translates very well. And I would be surprised if Harmon's anything less than a productive number two at the NFL level. And, and he may not have the upside of a Hopkins, and and that's a really lofty comp. And I realize that, but um, I think I think he's a safe safe receiver to pick. Would you rather draft Miles Bo- Boykin in the third to fifth? Or Emmanuel Hall in the second to third. Give me Boykin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah I'm the same way. I, I I like Emmanuel Hall. I think he's an explosive athlete. But Boykin's a better athlete. He's bigger, and you know, frankly, he's got better hands. So, yeah. um, I Boykin's one of my favorites. I know Travis Haney is a friend of the pod. Travis Haney is uh, big on him. I like. And, I like. Uh, I think he may be my second or third favorite wide receiver. He's, he's grown on me a lot throughout the process. All right. Before we get to the uh, owners' meeting. In, in the comments that happened there. Um, kind of each of you, which, how much credence do you weigh college production versus uh, like the combine? I, I would say production like is... Like out of 100%. Yeah, I'd say production is 70%. Combine and pro day is 30%. I may even go shift it still more towards uh, production and what's on tape. Tape's very important. Okay. Um, but I, I think that... Watch the tape, bud. Watch the tape. Just watch that tape. But I, I think your combine explains normally what you see on tape. It's just that you got to go back. Problem is, is that people go watch tape, then they see pro day and combine... Well, they never go back and watch the tape to compare. Was this what I saw, or what? What did I see? What did my eyes tell me? And that's what you see with Kelvin. You you thought that Kelvin Harmon was a really great wide receiver. Then you see the combine, the pro day, and you're like, oh, he's not really that great. Well, then you go back and watch the pro day, and you real or watch the tape, and you realize, okay, so he really wasn't that great of an athlete, but he was really, really good technically. Mm-hmm. Probably the best technical. Uh, receiver out there to get in and out of the routes to create that separation so he doesn't necessarily have to have those combine numbers that light up I mean yeah. sure that'd be great but that's how I view it yeah I'm the same way and and like I would prefer I would always lean towards production over combine numbers if you're just gonna pick one of the two I would, I would lean towards production because I think that translates more I do think it varies by position too, though, because if I'm looking at an edge rusher, like Jalen Ferguson is a guy that's going to be a, a great case study for this because he is now, he's the all time NCAA leading sack artist, all time, past Terrell Suggs. And he finished last year with, I think, 17 sacks and like 26 or 20 something tackles for laws, like crazy numbers. But then he went out and ran like an 828. Uh, three cone and like a five plus second short shuttle. And it's like, I mean, Harold Landry ran a three cone in six point, what was it? 6.8 or, yeah, or less six, than that. I thought 6.89 or 6.7. Yeah. I it was it somewhere was in the 6.7 to 6.8 range. So uh, uh, 1.2 seconds. That's, did he get uh, lost? A lot. Yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, his uh, ways was fucking up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's, that to me is an, alarming number like that's yeah. one of those ones where it's like even if the traits that was not what i was expecting <laughs> <laughs> dj EJ it never getting, is dj ej's lost on the uh, soundboard over here 
uh, him and Jalen Ferguson over there. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, Ferguson's gonna be an interesting test case because like, where does he end up in the NFL? Is he sure. gonna be productive or is he below a certain threshold where that's just not gonna translate? And you know, him playing in Conference USA level of competition that kind of thing apologies to uh mtsu grads in the room uh-huh. <laughs> but uh yeah i i would lean towards production but i think there's always extreme outliers yeah. that, that you have to look at kevin bayard went to csu school <laughs> <laughs> he did he's a wonderful player better watch that mouth <laughs> uh let's move on to the comments from the owners meeting uh amy adam strunk uh they change the numbers on the light blue jerseys so it looks like those are coming back yes and, and let me uh, let me tell yes. you this this whole because he's he's one of he's a perpetrator with <laughs> this they, they're all like oh my god give this me is those, the best thing ever give me the those best thick thing numbers ever. baby listen i was completely wasted every game <laughs> up in the suite i can see the numbers yeah the numbers well, were fine yeah no, i don't no, understand no, this no. that you couldn't see no, the numbers all 22 angles watch them you could not read the numbers Oh, well, you know, I don't have to watch the film. I watch the games live. <laughs> oh, well, I do both. You just said watch the tape, bud. <laughs> yeah, watch, what happened to watch well, now the when tape? When I went there in the pros, go back to college. <laughs> Only the college yeah. tape matters. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> I, I just didn't. I, I, the outcry or the outpour of love over this, I thought was a little I was I was literally having to watch. I would be watching the Titans back when they were wearing the light blue jerseys. And when I was watching the safeties, I would have to make notes about how tall Bayard's socks were versus how tall Vaccaro's <laughs> socks were, so I knew which safety was making which play. Okay, so please out, tell me you kept those notes. Let's, yeah. let's no, say this. no, I threw those all away. They're Take all out the all twenty-two because we know most of the media members. I would say a good portion of the ones that came to support this don't watch all twenty-two. Yeah. Would would you have met, would you have cared still if you did not watch all twenty two? Me personally, no. But I will say that Mike Keith and like the Titans radio crew complained about it too because they said Miami, you know, the press box is in a weird place in Miami. It's kind of in a corner of the stadium. They said that their spotters could barely read the That's numbers. That's Miami's fault, not uh, the Jersey's fault. Don't take fair, it out on the Jersey. But we're gonna play in Miami again probably <laughs> before uh, the jerseys are changed. Yeah. What what did you? What's guys wrong think? with the thicker I, numbers? I just I just I I it wasn't that the idea that we're changing them. It was the hyperbole of there's egg on the face and oh, what now, a total that, screw up. No, that that I disagree with. That I mean I I totally yeah. understand where you're coming yeah. from there. I was excited about it. I didn't think it was like a total disgrace last year. I was just like that to me. Please if, don't wear them anymore if, if you could. But if I'm running the Titans or if I'm in their PR department. I wouldn't have said a damn thing about it. That's just one of those things I wouldn't have announced. Just let it happen and just let it go and just see people if probably says. wouldn't have noticed. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Just let it go. Uh, she said something about Marcus. She said, I want him, him being Marcus, to be successful. I want him to be our franchise quarterback. What do you, uh, what do you take away from that? Well, I, I take away that she's great at coach speak. Yeah. I mean, because that's, I mean, I, I've, I watch A to Z sports almost every morning and stuff. And the the people, uh, Zach on that show, and then the people flooding the mentions, they bought way too much into this. This is this is nothing. This is what she's supposed to say. Yeah. You don't say, well, really don't, you know, don't really like Marcus, and I don't have any faith that he's going to stay <laughs> healthy, and our, we're, we're going to be drafting a quarterback so, next what year. Was, what was the take? 
What was the take that, that they were getting carried away with? Well, well, I mean, they all said that, okay, this means that he's going to get paid no matter what, pretty oh, much. Oh, wow. And it wasn't, it wasn't Austin. It, it was just uh, Zach and a, and a bunch of the, yeah. the listeners. Yeah. But they, they think that this means that Amy Adams drunk, she wants Marcus. That means that she's going to get Marcus. does not matter what J-Rob says. does not matter what Rabel says. She, she 100% knows that in 2020... That's your franchise quarterback, and he's getting paid regardless of what happens in 2019. That's such a ridiculous overreaction. Like, I mean, look, everyone wants Marcus to be the yeah, guy. Like, right. that's in the best interest of the franchise is for Marcus to figure it out and put it together, and now we don't have to draft another quarterback and play that whole game again. But, you know, we still have to find out because, I mean, nothing she said was – like hey he's definitely the guy she said yeah. we're rooting for him we want him to be the franchise quarterback yeah. and there was of a lot of i wants. thinks and i want yeah. and i hope i yeah. mean that, that those are all great that's not that does not mean she's he not, is she's definitely not gonna come out and be like well i don't know he's he gets hurt awful lot he's definitely playing for his job this year yeah, and yeah. Then you gotta yeah. think about all the injuries they's had and especially all the injuries that came to light that he had in in 2018 that we had no clue that he really had, I mean, off air, we've been told stuff that, you know, okay, there's more to the Marcus story, but nobody knows what it was. Mm -hmm. right. And then PK finally figures out what it was. And it turns out, I mean, back in, I mean, we're talking, he incurred a pinched ulnar nerve, two neck stingers on two separate occasions, mm -hmm. strained oblique, broken ribs, sprained AC shoulder joint, torn plantar fascia. Is it fascia? Fascia? Fascia, Fascia? Fascia, I think. And a cracked vertebrae. That's all in one season. Oh my god. I just I just want to reiterate. Yeah. He has to stay healthy for I, I feel like really two games. Yeah. I mean he, he he's gonna get two games for, as a mulligan. Yeah. Two seasons? No, two games. This he, he this can, in twenty nineteen. So you're saying he can only miss two games due to oh, okay. yeah, in twenty nineteen. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can only miss two games in twenty nineteen. For us to even consider an extension or and he has to play well. Yeah. It's well, not just that, he has to actually play play well. Yeah. What what's the comp here? Like what what has been a quarterback that has had success in the league? That's this sort that's of scary record, to think about right now. Coming coming into the end of their rookie contract. Well, Carr had the weirdest way to it because he was extended way before Talking right? About Derek Carr. Yeah, Derek Carr, sorry. Mm. Carson Palmer. No. Was hurt early in his career, right? He well, had a shoulder. He had a shoulder deal, but I feel like that was after he was kind of established. I, I don't really think that there's a quarterback that has been injured as much as he has in one season yeah. alone. Stafford was he was pretty injury prone, but it yeah. was only one or two years for him. Yeah, and before it was, he got on. I track. think it was after his third year, or second year, he hasn't missed a game since his, or something I, crazy I believe like his that. Third at fourth and fifth years, he played all sixteen. But games, he also had better stats. Now, granted, yeah. he had Calvin Johnson, but let's sure. not make excuses. You you got what you got. You're going to have to perform with it if you want to be a franchise quarterback, right? Yep. Man, that's a good that's a good thing to bring up. I had never. Yeah, I mean, that. I don't I don't remember a quarterback going through that much. Steve McNair didn't even go through that much, and no. I know people want to say, "Well, Steve McNair's tougher than Marcus." This right here changes everything in that conversation. Steve McNair's tough. Marcus is pretty damn tough to have to go through all that and he's, and still go out and close. To, yeah. He's close to McNair. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean that. I mean that's pretty. It's pretty close. Yeah, and but but see, on a serious note. 
what is it about the Titans and injured quarterbacks, man? Like McNair, for all his toughness, was constantly dinged up and playing less than 100%. And he actually missed a good deal of games that I know a lot of Titans fans kind of like have wiped from their memory. They assume that he played through everything. Yeah, but uh, there's a lot of turf toes and. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on with him. Back stuff. Yeah, crack sternums. Well, then you got Jake oh, yeah, Locker. I about that. Yeah, yeah Jake and then Locker. Locker was constantly hurt. Um, Vince Young was actually pretty healthy for the most part. He was just you know not healthy upstairs. Yeah, and then uh, and now you've got Marcus. I mean, it, this has been a tough run for injuries at, at the quarterback position, and you know, I know we tend to there's a there's a segment of the franchise that blames the offensive line for all of this stuff. Well, like, how do you explain McNair's stuff then? Because he had yeah. a great offensive line back well, in the day. Well, how do you explain Dak not missing a game? And and he had 116. In his first three seasons, he's had more sacks than, or taken more sacks than Marcus has in his first three seasons. Or if you want to go from 2016, and let's just wipe away Wisenhunt's year. If you want to do 2016 till today, Still less, or still more sacks, and yeah. he's never missed a game. I mean, frankly, Mariota has not taken an abnormal amount of hits. No, he, no. he just has. He's really not, and that's what people don't understand. And the the hits that he's gotten hit on are not the offensive line that have injured him. We'll we'll say at least the one that started the whole year, and then the one in 2015, and the one in 2016 are not the offensive line's fault necessarily, as they are the. Uh, dirty hits or late yeah. hits and that have fallen to him. He's definitely had some bad fortune, and and I don't think it's fair to like say he's soft or you know that whole thing is just stupid. I think, but yeah, I do think there's something to to him being injury prone. I'm glad that he's putting on weight. You know, the report came out that he's looking to play at I think it was 230. Yeah, this year, which would be the heaviest that he's ever played because it's the weight that. Jameis has been playing, yeah. but Jameis is wanting to play at 250. and Which is crazy, <laughs> but but Marcus had played Jameis, Kelvin, Benjamin, uh, Winston. Yeah. Yeah, Mar- so the mustache is getting a lot thicker, yeah. is what yeah. you're telling me. Just beefing yeah. up that he's, mustache. He's yeah. eating a lot of W's right now. <laughs> just just uh, loading up. But now Marcus Marcus had been playing at 215, though, which is yeah. really Small. light for a 6'4 dude. You know, so yeah. I, I think adding some extra weight, no, it's not going to protect him from, like, I don't know that it makes the nerve issues go away. I don't know that it's going to help. They're it's surrounded not going to make his, fatty tissue. You know, bones necessarily stronger or whatever, but it will let you take a little bit more of a, a beating. And I know Warren Moon has talked about it in the past where he just felt more confident at a bigger weight because he felt like, you know, he could take a little bit more of a hit. And frankly, I would love it if it meant that, you know, because in the past, Marcus has said, well, I want to play light because I want to be fast and explosive and all this stuff. I honestly feel like if he maybe felt like he wasn't as fast, he might not want to hold on to the ball and try to, you know, think that he can always escape with his legs yeah. at the end of the play. Maybe it, it'll make him get rid of the ball because he, you know, doesn't feel like he can escape, which and, might be a good thing. And just real quick to go back to the comments from Amy Adams. Yeah. This is not guarantee that he's going to be here after this show. No, absolutely. No. Please, please do not come at us and say, well, this is what Amy said and blah, 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 blah. His performance on the field is going to dictate whether he's going to be here in 2020 because let me tell you, if he plays like shit and fans aren't coming to the game, I think Amy's going to change your mind. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's going to be the Ryan Tannehill show. Oh, yep. boy. Speaking uh, of quarterbacks. Let's move on to uh, the comments from Vrabel who said uh, the Titans will have 
an individual development plan for tight end Delaney Walker Walker when he returns from the offseason program following his season-ending ankle injury in 2018. Uh, that sounds like he's going to be back and ready to go, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. But it also means that they're not going to rush him, and basically his practices, his OTAs, his voluntary workouts are going to be completely different from everybody else on that team. Which well, is fine, and not yeah, and and other players are going to get that treatment too. I'm sure Gerald Casey's probably going to be on the same deal. Like some guys that are veterans have been there for a long time, they're going to have extra days off built right. in where they're getting training instead of you know slamming into people because they frankly just don't need the practice reps quite as much as some of the the younger right. guys. So I I think that's perfectly normal and a, a good thing for him. Yeah. Uh, he also, Vrabel also said, uh, quarterback Marcus Mariota can do some things to help keep himself healthy from, quote, knowing when the journey is over, quote, to potentially getting stronger. And we, we kind of hit on this, yeah. talking about him gaining weight mm-hmm. and hoping that maybe, you know, throw a ball away here and there or just make a decision and throw the ball. Yeah. yeah. Um, he I, I think the PFF stat that I had was he was sacked 42 times last year. Only five of those came in under 2.5 seconds. 37 of them came in over 2.5 seconds. So 2.5 seconds is kind of the cutoff for you being able to get to the back of your drop, make your first read at least. Um, By contrast, a guy like Josh Rosen got sacked 17 times under 2.5 seconds. So it's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, that's really bad. So if you want to know why Josh Rosen was so bad last year, Yes, one Mississippi, oh, two yeah. Mississippi, <laughs> and he's down. Yeah, he was getting destroyed. But yeah, Mariota, he holds onto the ball a little bit too long, and I think part of that is that mentality that he can always escape with his legs. And I think he just they they. It sounds like they are working with him, and that they're all on the same page that he needs to get the ball out quicker. I'm interested what this note is about Arthur Smith and groupthink. What does so, this mean? So Vrabel talked about that he Arthur has pretty much brought in all the coaches on the staff and into these offensive meetings and break down film. And he is basically coming up with game plans or ideas or improvements for the offense based off group thing. So Vrabel will pop his head into an office and he'll see 20 coaches in with Arthur Smith and they're going over game film and he's leading it, which is one of the big things that Arthur Smith has always been good at since uh, Jerry Gray gave him or the chance. Knows, uh, it's coach Mack. Yeah. Coach yeah. Mack. Uh, gave him the chance breaking down film and presenting it and all this stuff. So I'm really excited to see this offense, I think, is going to be really good if everybody can stay healthy and we get a couple more players through the draft. I'm interested to see it. I mean, it sounds like a good uh, process. Um, yeah. Just being able to like get a, get a guy like Dean Pease's input, like, you know, hey, if I came out in this look, how would you defend me? Right. Um, you know, Dean Pease's got a ton of experience. He can – tell you you know with this kind of defense you know this might be what i do this kind of defense that might be what i do that that kind of thing so i I think getting some input from some of the more veteran coaches will definitely help uh art all right uh well let's move on to johnny r's comments aka j rob aka johnny robo uh samurai robo samurai cop (laughs) johnny roddle six johnny chimpo johnny chimpo (laughs) Uh, on the receivers, he said, uh, quote, I like the guys that we've got currently under contract. It will be a big year for some of those younger guys at some point. They need to mature and come along and progress. 
Uh, you can't keep saying he's a young guy. He's a young guy. At some point, you have to step up, and we've shown shown signs of that last year, certainly. But we'll see how it goes. He he goes on in that same thing, and he they're doing their due diligence on wide receivers in the draft, and I have a feeling they're going to walk away with at least one out of the draft. Um, but you know, this is kind of what we've said on the podcast, and especially me, just you know. There's only the the young excuse can only last you so long in the NFL and it's it's go time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I agree and I would be surprised if they didn't add at least one piece there um between the draft and maybe even a late free agent addition just to add some more competitive uh competitiveness to that room but um yeah, they definitely need to get more bodies there. See yeah. what happens. Uh, well, they'll add bodies to the draft, and on that, uh, J-Rob said, I'd say all bets are off as far as what I'm going to do and what we're going to do. At the end of the day, we're going to do what's best for our football team, whether that's move up, move back, or stick and pick. We'll just kind of see how the cards unfold for us. I, I think it's going to be real interesting, and if I was a betting man, and I may do this while we're in Vegas, uh, I may. I don't know if you can bet on a trade down for a team in Vegas, but I'm I'm almost willing to bet that they're going to trade down. It's That's kind of close. his modus operandi. Yeah, sports sports book might give you odds on that. Yeah, but uh, I yeah I would say trade down if anything because I would not feel comfortable trading up again and giving up more picks. They they got to make some picks because frankly, if you look at the depth and I know free agency isn't really technically over, they could still add pieces, but they need depth at almost every position. Across and this the board. is a good draft class as a whole almost at every position that if you walked away with eight to ten players there's a good chance most of them are going to hit yeah um well it seems like they were all talking about uh how they're going to lean more on derrick henry next year um what'd you guys think of that i want to mike was on the was it the mcm message boards yes and people were going crazy over this yeah so can you expand on that yeah so uh, people have and this comment really triggered uh, Music City Miracles message board because a lot of people saw this comment and went straight to, oh my God, we're just going to run the ball all the time next year and they're not building around Marcus and basically this team will never evolve. We're all, we don't, we don't want to pass the ball. And I'm like, that's what you took from that? Like, of course they're going to say they want to build around Henry because Henry was the best part of this offense for the last you know month plus of the season. It makes perfect sense for them to be like, well, we're going to start there because that's what has been working really well. And then we're going to build off of that. That doesn't mean that they're going to run the ball 60 you know times a game or anything like that next year. But they're going to start with Henry, which should be a good thing. And that, frankly, that's what other teams do too. It's not like the saints or the Patriots, or if you look at, you know, the Rams, those guys, Todd Gurley, they build around Todd Gurley, you know, that, that offense runs around Todd Gurley, you know, the saints, they build around Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram last year. So like, it's, it doesn't mean that you're not ever going to pass the ball or that you're going to be just a running team only, they're going to throw the ball. It's just a matter of they want the running game to be a foundational piece of this offense. And and what's going to protect Marcus is having a run game that is is a threat. It helps him play action. It helps buy him a little bit extra time to make the throws that you're looking for him to make. 
it's it's all symbiotic, yeah. and it's not. You know, you can't just build around. You really have to build an offense around three players at the same time. It's just that no matter what question you ask, it they're all they've all said they're building the offense around Marcus and surrounding Marcus with weapons. He's one of the weapons. But if you ask him, well, what are you going to use about Henry? Well, we're going to you know use Henry a lot, lean on him. You know like, what? What, what are you, you going to do? Gonna to gonna get, say? Yeah, what are you going to do to get Corey Davis going? Well, we're going to try to target him as much as possible. Yeah. Doesn't mean that that we're not ever going to run the ball and we've right. forgotten Henry. It's just, right. you're also got to remember these people are being asked player specific questions. Right. right. They're not just coming up with these answers out of thin air. They're not going to be like, Oh, are, how are you going to use Derek Henry? And they're like, Oh, we're just going to ignore him and pretend like he doesn't exist <laughs> yeah. and probably throw it a lot. We yeah. just want to throw it every single yeah. play. That's going to put him in a good headspace in the off season to work yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, but anyways, one, one don't, thing. Don't read too uh, much into coach speech. We can never get out of here without Mike going. One thing. One more one thing. thing. First. Here's here's so, our segment. One more thing. One more thing. <laughs> From yeah. Mike Miracles. So <laughs> it's a pet peeve of mine. Just that. Cherry trees? I know. Yeah. Let's if, talk about it. If you look at what the Titans have done in the offseason, everything has been about Mariota. They went and got Roger Saffold to play left guard. They went and got Adam Humphreys to play slot receiver. That tells me they're building to throw the ball. They're not, they didn't go get Adam Humphreys to block, even though he's a pretty good blocker. They did not sign him and pay him $36 million to come block for Derrick Henry. They're going to throw the ball. It's, yeah. it's fine. It's going to be okay. I promise. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I think it will be. Well, thanks for listening, efforts. Thanks to uh, DJ EJ for making us sound awesome. Uh be sure to uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you haven't yes. already. Yes. Uh, stop by on draft day. Yes. On Thursday. Yes. 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 Uh, uh, make sure to visit our sponsors and uh, visit Music City Miracles for all your Titans needs. Yeah. And uh, we are football and other F words and you've just been F'd. Yes. <laughs> yeah, baby. I'm sorry for their behavior. <laughs> Got it. Just wait till we're live and you get to see our eyes do it. <laughs> hey guys, one more thing. One more thing. No. Hey, can we pause the music? Just one more thing. Let's Cut go him back. Off. Cut Let's him go off. Back. Turn his mic off. I hope when Mike says just one more thing at the live crowd, everybody goes, oh. <laughs>
hate Rashawn Gary? How do you hate Rashawn Gary? Because he doesn't do anything. I think he's just all 